here at Second Kings. I've, before we start, I want to say congratulations uh, to Kevin Evans, who's voted in as our secretary for two more years. I want to say uh, congratulations to Robert Landry for being voted on, and now he will serve. He's finished a one-year term. He's going to be with us uh, as a trustee for three more years. Also, I want to say congratulations to Sam Coy, who's our newest board member. Amen. Let's give these guys a hand clap. Appreciation. And yes, 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 you are stuck with me for at least five more years. Amen. So I was so thrilled after that, uh, after that business meeting last Sunday night, 100% for five more years. So thank you. Thank you. We are 100% all together pursuing after God with all of our heart. Amen? Amen. Let's look here at 2 Kings, the third chapter. 2 Kings, the third chapter. And I believe as we, as we look to the Word of God today, I want to share something with you that I believe will encourage you and strengthen you. How many know that we're not in this fight alone? In fact, the Lord said, Lord Jesus said when he ascended back to heaven, he said, I must needs go back to the Father so that the Comforter, the Helper, will return. Let me tell you, we can do a lot of things in the world, but we can't do it without Jesus. We can't do it without the Spirit. And the Lord has never intended his church to function without his Spirit. And we need the Spirit of God. We have taken counsel from the world. We have taken counsel from circumstance. But now it's time we take counsel from the Holy Spirit and let him guide us. Amen? So as we look here, let's go to the throne of grace once more. And today, Zechariah 4 and 6. Many of you know this by heart. If you don't, let me encourage you to get this in your spirit. So he answered and said to me, This is the word of the Lord to Zerubbabel. Not by might, nor by power, but by my spirit, says the Lord of hosts. Father, we come before the throne of grace, ask for help in time of need. And Lord, I pray today, Lord God, that there would be such strength and courage, such confidence, Lord God, and might that comes from the knowledge of, Lord, of your eternal, Lord God, unchallenged power. Lord, I pray in Jesus' name that, Lord, that you would guide me that you would guide our hearts, that the anointing of your spirit may be so evident in this house today. We give you the praise and honor. Amen. Once you look at 2 Kings, the third chapter, here we find that the king of Israel, uh, Ahab has died. Ahab's wicked son had taken over for him, and he is continuing in the path of his father. Though the Bible gives him a little bit more credit than it did Ahab, said he wasn't quite as wicked, but he was still wicked. And we see that Moab, the country of Moab, had once given large sums of sheep and wool to Israel under Ahab. Ahab had them uh, subjugated. But now Moab has rebelled and refuses to give this portion to the new king of Israel. So he gathers up Jehoshaphat, who's a righteous king of Judah, and he gathers up the king of Edom, and they're going to go out together with their military might, and they're going to go bring Moab back into subjection. And so as we look at this, we see that they take a seven-day journey 
And they find themselves, beginning in verse 9, without any water. Let's look here. It says, so the king of Israel went with the king of Judah and the king of Edom. This is in 2 Kings, the third chapter, the ninth verse. And they marched on roundabout route seven days. There was no water for the army, nor for the animals that followed. And the king of Israel said, alas, for the Lord has called these three kings together to deliver them into the hand of Moab. But Jehoshaphat said, is there no prophet of the Lord here? that we may inquire of the Lord by him. So one of the servants of the king of Israel answered and said, Elisha, the son of Shaphat, is here, who poured water on the hands of Elijah. And Jehoshaphat, now let's skip down to verse 15. Let's skip down to verse, well, let's, let's take verse 12, I'm sorry. And Jehoshaphat said, the word of the Lord is with him. So the king of Israel and Jehoshaphat and the king of Edom, Edom went down to him. Down verse 15. This is Elisha's response to them as they come to him. He says, but now bring me a musician. Bring me a whistler. No, 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 no. <laughs> then it happened when the whistler, no, when the musician played, that the hand of the Lord came upon him. And he said, thus says the Lord, make this valley full of ditches. For thus says the Lord, you shall not see wind, nor shall you see rain, yet the valley shall be filled with water, so that you and your cattle and your animals may drink. This is a simple matter in the sight of the Lord. He will also deliver the Moabites into your hand. Also, you shall, you shall attack every fortified city, every choice city, and shall cut down every good tree, stop up every spring of water, and ruin every good piece of land with stones. Now it happened in the morning when the grain offering was offered that suddenly water came by the way of Edom, and the land was filled with water. And when all the Moabites heard the kings had come up to fight against them, all who were able to bear arms and older were gathered, and they stood at the border. Then they rose up early in the morning, and the sun shining on the water. And the Moabites saw the water on the other side as red as blood. And they said, this is the blood of the kings and have surely, surely struck swords and have killed one another. Now, therefore, Moab to the spool. So when they had come, came to the camp of Israel, Israel rose up, attacked the Moabites. So they fled before them and they entered their land, killing the Moabites. Notice there, they destroyed the cities. Each man threw a stone on every good piece of ground. Fielded. They stopped up all the springs of water, cut down all of the good trees. Wow. Wow. Now, as we look here to the Word of God, what we're going to see is that the Lord is speaking to the church in these last hours. That there, there was, a, there was an accompaniment taking place. There was a partnership that took a place, took place there. 
Israel and Judah. Israel comes to Judah and says, hey, go with us. We're going to go out and we're going to defeat the enemy. Sounds like a good plan. How are we going to do that? We're going to team up with the king of Edom and we're going to march down and we're going to bring the enemies into subjection. We're going to make sure the enemy pays for all of his things that he has done and how he has brought about the evil in this world. But in fact, the evil one was partnering with the righteous one and they went down and there's flaws in their plan. They're showing up there and now they're they're coming to the place and militarily it looked like a good idea, didn't it? In fact, Jehoshaphat doesn't show anywhere that he asked the Lord of any input on that. He just loaded up and went. I think there's a lot of folks in the church world today that they just load up because it looks like a good plan without consulting the Lord. They just load up and say, well, if, if the church here or the church there are doing it and it's working, then let's, hey, let's, uh, let's get on the bandwagon and let's just go. Let's just take off and see what happens. Surely this is, we're going to be able to do this in our own strength, our own might. Let me say to you today, we cannot accomplish the work of the kingdom of God without the king of the work. We can accomplish the things of God. I cannot even begin to penetrate your heart without the anointing of the spirit of the Lord. But I do believe with all of my heart, it's not by might, it's not by power, but it's by the spirit. Spirit, says the Lord of hosts, that we will defeat the enemy. And we are not alone. But notice here, they make their way out in seven days' journey. An army in ancient, is, ancient days, uh, they could travel on good roads uh, approximately anywhere from 20 to 25 miles a day. Marching, if they marched all day. So, we look at that, and we don't know exactly the location in which they found themselves, but they're about two, approximately 200 miles from home, 175, 200 miles from home, but they've got a real flaw in their plan. They don't have enough water so, to sustain them, nor do they have enough water to sustain their animals. And they have been marching and marching and marching and marching, and now they're in trouble. They're in desperate, dire straits. They are in difficulty. In fact, if something doesn't change, if there's not a d divine intervention, if there's not something that transpires in the next few, uh, the next few hours, uh, then they are going out in their might and their strength. Uh, they are now going to be slaves to the Moabites because the Moabites will overtake them and destroy them because of their weakness. Have you ever found yourself in a place where it looked like the right thing to do and you moved in the direction you thought was the right direction and you, you, you took that job, you took that promotion, you took that, uh, uh, you, whatever it might be, it looked like the right thing to do but you did not consult the Lord in that scenario you didn't include him on the equation you find yourself in a place and now what you thought was a good idea is no longer a good idea now you are looking at the place where the God doesn't intervene you're in trouble but we get ourselves in situations and then all of a sudden, we'll see two sides of our nature. And one side of our nature being that of the world as we look at the circumstance. And we take on the ideology of the king of Israel. And the king of Israel said, oh, God did this to me. Now he's brought us out here to destroy us. 
Lord didn't choose for him whether or not he would go down and face the Moabites. He didn't tell him, he didn't say, you, you go out there because I'm going to destroy you. He chose to gather and rally the troops and bring everybody down there. Stop blaming God for the decisions that you have made. I need to stop blaming God for the decisions I have made. And we must come to the place where we take personal responsibility for the actions we're taking. But I encourage you today, if you have chosen your way into a situation, you can choose your way out of a situation through the power of the Spirit of God. They're at a place now. It sounded like a good idea. It sounded like a good idea to compromise doctrine to get people in the, in the house. It sounded like a good idea to lay down our defenses and team up with the, with the world in order to grow the church. But now, all of a sudden, there's no transformation taking place now we're in a place where, yeah, we've got the group and we've got the, everybody's rallied together, but we're in a valley now. We're in the middle of a desert and we're going to die unless God shows up. Let me tell you, that's not a bad place to be when you get to the end of yourself. Somebody walked in here this morning and you're at the end of yourself. That's not a bad place. That's the best place you can be. And though you may have made mistakes, you're going to make a good choice today because I believe God's going to move on your behalf. I do believe it because without Jesus Christ, we fail. But with him, we can do all things because he strengthens us. Amen? And though you have made a horrific mess of your life and you went the way you thought you should go, but you forgot to consult God and now you're at a place and you thought, what am I going to do? We're going to do what the Word tells us to do. Amen? We're going to do what the Holy Spirit guides us to do. Now, here is the King of Israel and he's like, we're, we're out here to die. God is ready to kill me. God is going to kill us. Some of you have that mindset. You walked in with it this morning. All in my situation, if he was God, he would have prevented me from doing this. He would have stopped me from pouring that down my gullet. I'm sorry, Giselle. I don't know what the translation is for gullet. He could have prevented that. He could have stopped that. Or you could have chose differently. You don't know what's happened to me. You don't know what's happened to me. You don't know what they did to me. You don't know what they did to me. But I will tell you that the Holy Spirit can guide you, strengthen you, encourage you, and get you where you need to be. He can take the... the, the most dire situation and bring the glory of Jesus into that and change the outcome of your situation. Now as we look here, what we see is Jehoshaphat who 
in this scenario, I believe, uh, represents the spirit man. Uh, he's saying, oh, no, is there not a prophet? Is there not a prophet among us that can actually speak and tell us uh, what's going on or what we can do? And wait a minute, there is Elisha. It's amazing to me that God brought a prophet along on this journey that he inevitably knew was going to fail. The Lord brought the word right along with the crowd, even though it was going to end in dismal failure. Is there not a prophet? I want to say God released the spirit of the prophet in these last days. Lord, let the word of prophecy begin to go forth and prepare the people of God for the coming of the Lord. Is there not a prophet? And here is Elisha. Well, there is Elisha. You know the one who washed the feet of Elijah, the servant of the Lord. The word's with him. The word is with him. Let me encourage you. This may be your first time to Crossroads uh, Assembly of God. You may be from the area. You may not be. We may not be your flavor, but chances are we could be. And so, uh, you know, your palate will change over the years. Uh, and it, if you'll try that, uh, that thing that you resisted as a child, you may learn to enjoy it when you get older. Amen? But let me encourage you, if you don't choose to go here, go somewhere where the word of God is being preached. Go somewhere where they still believe in the book, from Genesis to Revelations, where we begin to discover that Jesus is on every single page of the book. And you need to look for him because he's there. He's there. Go to a Bible-believing church. Amen? Is there not a prophet who has the word? Well, there's Elisha. The word is with him. Let's go talk to him. And what does Elisha do? He says, bring me a whistler. <laughs> Some of your translation says minstrel. Some of your translation says harpist or musician. Oh, I'd love the psalmist, David, where he wrote in Psalms 150. At least I'm going to give him credit for that psalm. He said there, praise the Lord, praise God in his sanctuary, praise him in his mighty firmament. Praise him for his mighty acts. Praise him according to his excellent greatness. Praise him with the sound of the trumpet. Praise him with the whistle. No, it doesn't say that. Praise him with the lute and the, and the harp. Praise him with the timbrel and with the dance. Praise him with the strings, instruments, and the flutes. Praise him with the loud cymbals. In fact, praise him with the clashing cymbals. Let everything that hath breath praise the Lord. That's pointing out the whistlers out of envy. But what does Elisha say? Bring me the minstrel. Bring me the musician. Bring me the one where I can enter into worship. Mm. Oh, 
your situation. I understand it is a life and death. I know that you're at a place, if you don't get a drink right now, you're going to die of dehydration. You can go 40 days without a meal, but you can't go three without a drink. You can get to the place where now all of a sudden your body, your organs begin to shut down. They begin to feed on one another. And you're that thirst that's deep inside of your soul. That's the very thing that's going to get you out. If you'll just begin to praise God. Before the water began to pour out, there was praise that went forth. Oh, there was praise that began to magnify the Lord. Because now worship is taking eyes off the circumstance. Let me tell you the power of worship. Power of worship is a realigning of my focus. It takes, the, it takes my focus off of the hurt. It, it takes my focus off of the shame of the decisions I've made. It takes the focus off of me. And it starts to focus somewhere else other than here. And all of a sudden, the enemy is no longer in control. The circumstance is no longer in control. Now the living God, whom my focus is upon, it's upon him. Not what everybody else is doing. It's what he is doing in us. Let me tell you the heart of true worship. It can worship. It is not an event, though events like we just had in a worship service is part of it. But let me tell you, a worshiper doesn't need music, doesn't need a crowd. A worshiper will worship all by themselves or in a room full of people. It makes no difference. When you begin to learn how to worship God, begin to elevate Him above the circumstance, oh God, I am fearfully and wonderfully made. Lord God, I can do all things through Christ who strengthens me. Lord God, there is no weapon formed against me that's ever going to prosper because it'll never prosper against you. Lord, I love you. I magnify you. I thank you. I glorify you. You are worthy. You are worthy. You are worthy, Lord God, of praise and honor and glory. Worship. What is the church of the Lord Jesus Christ who has gotten off track in these last days? How is she going to get back on track? She's going to begin to worship the Lord. She's going to begin to lift her hands and say, oh, Lord, I surrender, I surrender, I surrender. And the word of the Lord came. The moment they began to worship, the Spirit of the sea, Many historians would say the reason why Elisha called for a musician because he wanted to push out the noise around him. Just, I won't, pu I won't push. You know what part of worship is? It's pushing out the noise, that circumstance, that's saying you're going to die. You, you deserve this. If you to. If you'd have zigged instead of zagged, you wouldn't be where you're at. If you took a left turn instead of a right, you wouldn't be here. If you would have just listened, if you would have consulted God, you wouldn't find yourself here. You deserve death, thus you will die. God brought you here to kill you. What happens whenever we, Elisha was there? He began to worship. He started pushing back. I don't want to hear that. 
I don't want to hear that. Oh, I take personal responsibility for being here, but I'm just going to push that back, and I'm going to say, God, what do you want? What do you want, Lord God, out of me? Lord, you brought your word right along with me. Even though I found myself in a place, Elisha's right here with me, and he's got something to share with me. Why didn't I ask him three days ago? Why did I wait seven days? I don't know. But now you're asking, so stop condemning yourself. Lord, let me tell you why it's important not to forsake the assemblings of yourself. There's a lot of reasons, but one good reason is this. You should come into this house where maybe you don't have the faith to to feel your spirit elevated, but maybe somebody beside you has been worshiping all week, and now they're just saturated with the glory of God, and they're worshiping the Lord. And now if if you'll hang on and get close enough to a worshiper, it'll spill out over on top of you. It's a message for next week maybe. But he said to him, there's going to be not from the sound of wind nor from the sound of rain. This place where you're at right now is going to be filled with water. What you need to do is go out and start digging ditches. Start making some room for what's coming. Start, start moving out in that valley of Edom, the descendants of Esau, the carnal man. Start getting him out of the way. Start moving some of that doubt out of the way. The word of the Lord in worship told me, start making some room. So I'm going to start making some room. I, can, I may not see it. I may not feel it. I may not even perceive it with my natural eyes. But something took place 2,000 years ago. Jesus Christ gave himself fully and wholly for my sin, my sorrow, and my sickness. And then 40 days, 50 days later, the Holy Spirit was poured out. And there's a river that never stopped flowing. In fact, that river is going to flow right through my circumstance. In fact, that river is going to start flowing right through me. Because there's a river flowing out of me. It makes the lame to walk and the blind to see. It sets the captive free. There is a river flowing out. It's promised by the word of God. You're not going to see the wind. You're not going to see the rain. In fact, the enemy's not going to see it either. The enemy's not going to see it either. But church, if you'll make room in that situation you're in by worshiping God, believing the Lord... God's going to fill that area up with his spirit. Just make some room for the spirit. I I encourage the church. You are the last day church. If you're born again, your name is written in glory. You're part of the last day church. And you're here as long as God says you're here. But as long as you're here, we just will make some room, amen? If we start making some room for the Holy Spirit and we start worshiping the Lord, I believe God is going to show up. Now, this was the promise given after the, the Spirit, after the water poured out and means and measures by which they did not comprehend There was an eruption, a storm, uh, an outpouring that took place out of visible sight. 
And it flowed into that place at the precise moment God said it would take place. Let me tell you, the spirit of the living God poured out 2,000 years ago, and he is still pouring out his spirit today. Now, this is the promise of God to Israel, Judah. It's the promise of the church today. Not only will you be refreshed by the spirit of God, the water that's poured out. You're going to have the strength and you're going to go out and defeat the Moabites. And you're going to destroy their strong cities. I believe by the power of the Spirit of God, strongholds are going to be broken. You're going to destroy the choice cities, which are the governance of the enemy's camp. I believe there's some knowledge of the world that sounds wise to the itching ears. But let me tell you, God is going to bring forth a wisdom that's beyond this world. It's the wisdom of his word that's going to destroy the counsel of the enemy. Now you're going to go, you're going to destroy the fruit trees. There's going to be some fruit that is cut down and destroyed because there's an outpouring of the Spirit of God. Is anybody listening to me this morning? You're asking God, how is my children going to come into the saving knowledge of Christ? It's going to be as you begin to worship God and the Spirit begin to move through you into your home as you make room. You're going to destroy the stronghold. You're going to destroy the governance. You're going to destroy the fruit. You're going to cut off their life source by damming up the wells. Let me tell you what the enemy does not want. The enemy does not want you worshiping. The enemy does not want you looking to God. That's why he is amping up the amplification of your situation to tell you you're not going to make it. But I'm saying to you, you can do all things through Christ who strengthens you. Now, as you look at this, you're going to go out and you're going to destroy their fields. What does that mean? You're going to destroy the enemy's harvest in your life. Somebody going to get this about two o'clock on Tuesday all of a sudden it's going to be like and you're going to come back to me and it's going to be your idea but that's okay to God be the glory to God be the glory I love the the, what's the word I'm looking for the minute detail the it's right there on the tip of my tongue somebody help me the ink. No, 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 close. Intricacy. Intricacy. Thank you, Holy Spirit. You can't get help from the crowd. Ask the Holy Spirit. The anchorage. I, I lost it again. But you know where I'm going there. Thank you. How is this possible? So glad you asked. Look there in verse 20. The Lord said the, the valley is going to be filled with water. You're going to have that refreshing. It's going to give you the strength. How do you get the refreshing? By the Holy Spirit. How do you have strength? It's by the Holy Spirit. What, what does that water represent? The same thing it represented in the New Testament. Out of your belly shall flow rivers of water. Who was Jesus speaking of? He was speaking of the Holy Spirit. 
that water of the Holy Spirit is going to flow out of you. That river that Ezekiel saw flowing from the house of God. Who's the house of God? We are the house of God. We are not made but brick and mortar, but we are the temple of the Holy Spirit. And out of our bellies shall flow rivers. And what will that river do? It will cause healing to the nations. And wherever the river flows, it's going to bring forth life. And church, what we need more than any other thing is the Spirit flowing in the house. We need the Spirit flowing through us. Now, all the promises of the destruction of the enemy, how is this possible? Why can we have such assurance? It's in verse 20. Now it happened in the morning when the grain offering was offered. Suddenly water came by the way of Eden. What significance does that have? None until you understand that one lamb you shall offer in the morning and the other lamb you shall offer at twilight. And with one lamb you shall have one-tenth of an ephod of fine mixed with a flour mixed and one-fourth of oppressed oil and one-fourth of a hen of wine as a drink offering. Israel for years and years and years and years, there was a practice that took place. There was a lamb offered at 9 a.m. in the morning and a lamb offered at 3 p.m. in the afternoon. And a lamb was offered at 9 in the morning and a lamb was offered at 3 p.m. in the afternoon. And with that lamb offering was a grain offering. And so the lamb had already been offered that 9 a.m. morning uh, uh, schedule. And there would be another one at 3 p.m. that afternoon. And that really may not have any significance to you unless you understand as John saw Jesus. He said, Behold the Lamb of God. And you can find it in the book of Mark in the 15th chapter if you need a scriptural reference. And Jesus Christ was nailed upon the cross at 9 a.m. in the morning. And he hung there for six hours and at 3 p.m. he yielded up his spirit and he ascended and folks he came to the grave and then ascended to the father understand that that significance is for you and I because God does not want us to miss this it's because of the sacrifice of Jesus Christ that the spirit can and will be poured out oh do you get that do you get that today time of the morning sacrifice the water began to fill up those areas now what I notice here in this passage I hadn't noticed before I've always looked at it through natural eyes and I said look Edom means red and yes there's red clay over there and now we see that there was a, a, a digging out and so it even became redder in Israel, the Bible says the sun light, the sun shone upon that, upon that valley filled with that water and that red light of that sun. It began to, red sky began to, ref, began to see there, there was more red reflected from the water. The Lord spoke to me as I was looking at this passage. And he said, the Spirit always reflect the blood. 
When the Holy Spirit speaks to you, he will always point us back to Christ's sacrifice. The Spirit will always reflect the blood. Why do we sing about the blood? Oh, precious is the flow. How do we speak about the power of the blood of Jesus Christ? We speak about the power of the blood of Jesus Christ because it is his sacrifice that gives us the right. Even when we make mistakes, even when we falter and fail, and we turn back to God, and we say, Lord, I did it again. I'm going to die, Lord God, of thirst, but you've got to show up. Lord God, what do you want me to do? Lord, I praise you. Lord, I magnify. Lord, I lift you up. Let me tell you what I'm going to do. I'm going to pour my spirit through you. And you're going to destroy strongholds, governance, harvest, fruit. You're going to cut off the life source of the enemy. You're going to do it because my spirit will always reflect my blood. He will always point to me. He will always tell you that you cannot in yourself do anything but through the sacrifice of Jesus Christ you can do all things if I thought it would do any good I would flail on this altar right now screaming to you God is able to deliver you set you free what do I do? You accept what he's already done. You stop beating yourself up for what you did or you didn't do. How you should or you shouldn't do done. And you just lift your hands and surrender. Say, Holy Spirit. I need a new revelation of the blood of Jesus. I need a new revelation that at 9 a.m. 2,000 years ago, that when Christ at the time of Passover, sacrificial lamb was nailed, it gave access to the spirit and he would be poured out at the appointed time, which would be 50 days later, and that is called Pentecost, and that's what Pentecost means. It means 50, and the reason why we get so excited and we say unashamedly that we are Pentecost is because this is what we understand. We can't do it without God, but through God we can do all things. And let me tell you, the same salvation that was afforded you is the same baptism of the Holy Spirit that God wants to give to you. You didn't earn your salvation and you're not going to earn the infilling of the Holy Spirit. But I do believe if you'll come to God in worship and say, God, I surrender, I surrender. Lord, I worship you and I magnify your name. I believe lives are being changed 